Today on Abounding Grace. Hurting people hurt people. And number two, you need to learn how to grow a thick skin while you keep a soft heart. It's too easy to do the opposite, to have a hard heart and a soft skin. <laughs> just like, man, everything bothers you, and your heart's so hard anyway that you just, man, you just, man, it's just hard for you to serve people at all because everything bothers you. And you've been hurt so many times that, like, man, I don't want to hurt be hurt again. You will be serving people. This is amazing grace. of a person that's living in sin, it's tempting to just look the other way and think it's none of our business. But as we'll see today on Abounding Grace, the much better response is to reach out to help restore the individual. Now, with that said, a great amount of love needs to be behind the approach. Pastor Ed Taylor will help us with that as we pay another visit to 2 Corinthians 2. Here he is now with the purpose of church discipline. Pick up back in chapter 1, verse 23, by way of review. It says, Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul, that to spare you I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. There was just a little insight there that Paul was saying is that the people you're listening to, the people that you're connected with, all those guys that are in the church right now, they want dominion over you. They want to control you. I don't want that. I've never wanted it. I didn't want it in the past. I don't want it now. And I don't want it in the future. I don't want to control your life. Those guys, they're controlling your life. You're submitting to them. I don't want that. But, verse 1, I determined this within myself, that I'm not going to come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is going to make me, or who, then who is he who makes me glad, but the one who is made sorrowful by me? The church in Corinth was both a joy and a grief to Paul. He loved them and served them, but they also caused him tremendous pain. And continuing on that theme that we saw in chapter 1, as Paul begins to lay out for them the facts, Paul says he made a conscious decision not to come. He didn't want it to be any more sad. It was already bad enough and hard enough. Paul's most recent visit was not an easy one, and the timing just, it wasn't the right timing. I'm not going to go, you know, it's better just sometimes to wait. Wait for a better season, a better opportunity. You know, the last time we met, it really wasn't good, so let's give it some time, give it some prayer. And he made a conscious decision. His yes was a yes, and his no was a no. He wasn't just flipping about it. He made a decision. Verse 3, And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you, with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. I didn't come because I love you guys. 
I didn't come because there was a season where it just wouldn't be good and love wouldn't be shared. Paul learned to be flexible in making his plans. He wasn't rigid, but left room for the Lord to disturb his plans and change them and to be open to the leading of the Spirit. Instead of a visit, Paul decided to write a letter. Where is that letter? We don't know. It wasn't inspired. It wasn't included in the scriptures, but Paul wrote a lot of letters that weren't inspired. So there's still yet another letter to the Corinthians that we don't have. It's not inspired. Many believe it's missing, but we know it's not been included in the canon of scripture. You see this back and forth, if you notice through these first four verses. As you serve people, there's joy and affliction. They both come together. So those of you that have that desire to serve Jesus by serving other people, you will have both joy in serving and much affliction, much difficulty. Why? Because when you're serving people in Jesus' name, you're going to be serving a lot of hurting people. And when you and I serve hurting people, you know, we always have to remember that hurting people hurt people. And the people that hurting people hurt the most are the ones that are closest to them. After many, many years of serving Jesus, it still shocks me that I'm surprised at that at times. I should know by now. But you get into this rhythm of ministry and you start to enjoy the joy of ministry and then there's this pain along the way and there's that moment of shock and then there's that moment of realization, this is what God has called me to. The joy and the affliction. The fun and the hardship. The great victories and the occasional defeats. The people that might receive from you and the people that are going to hate my guts. And I said the exact same thing in the exact same way. People that are going to come to me and say, Ed, I heard this, is it true? And the people that are going to hear something and never come to me and continue to spread. It's all a part of the ministry. So you know what people do because of the affliction in ministry? They stop serving people. Why? Because you don't want to get hurt anymore. And these two things always go together. If you haven't jotted them down somewhere in the front of your Bible, because they always go together when the topic comes up. Number one, hurting people hurt people. And number two, you need to learn how to grow a thick skin while you keep a soft heart. It's too easy to do the opposite. To have a hard heart and a soft skin. <laughs> just like, man, everything bothers you. And your heart's so hard anyway that you just, man, you just, man, it's just hard for you to serve people at all because everything bothers you. And you've been hurt so many times that, like, man, I don't want to hurt, be hurt again. You will be serving people. And, and here's another thing about serving in the church and being used of God in the church and being used of God to serve his people. To the degree that you care will be to the degree you feel pain. So this is what that looks like. If you really, really care, then you're really, really going to get hurt. If you don't care, that's your phrase, isn't it? I don't care. Yeah, but so-and-so, I don't care. Yeah, so-and-so is in trouble. He just, you know, this drunken thing, and I don't care. Hey, you know what? So-and-so need. I don't care. And, and that's just why. You know, that's an indication of a hard heart. I don't know about the thick or the thin skin or soft skin, but I know that's a hard heart. 
when you and I just stop caring. And usually we stop caring because there's been hurt after hurt after hurt because we've just been serving people. We just love people. We just want to help them. And they don't want to be helped as much as we want to help. And you know how it goes. And if you're not careful, you'll forget hurting people hurt people. And believers are always around hurting people. They're all over. And some pains are just, wow. The more and more I serve in these last days, the darker and darker sin is and the more consequences. It's, it's man, it's heart-dropping, really, when you hear these situations that have come because of the consequence of sin and decisions that were made and problems that come and difficulties that, I mean, it's like, wow. And Paul here, he says, you know, I'm, there's sorrow and there's joy. I, I don't want to be sorrowful from the people I'm supposed to have joy from. And so I was full of affliction and full of anguish. And serving people can be filled with the greatest joy, watching lives change, seeing families restored, marriages healed, kids growing up in a godly home, even if it's just a single parent home where, you know, there's not much we can do about the past, but we can do a lot about the present, and, and seeing great loss, but great encouragement. In 3 John, there's only one chapter, verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I mean, that's, there's so much more of that. And yet it can also be very painful. You can spend hours and weeks and months and even years pouring into a person, pouring into a marriage, pouring into a family, and then watch them turn their back on the Lord and on you. And you're just like, what happened? What's going on? Sometimes even like the church in Corinth, they'll begin to tear you down as they leave and make you now part of their problem. One of the things I'd really encourage you guys to do, if you weren't here when we were studying through the book of Romans, all those studies are up on the website at calvaryaurora.org. In Romans chapter 12, we have there listed for us the seven primary spiritual gifts that every believer has at least one of them that really moves them. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is and where you fit in the body of Christ, would you please go up online? You can watch the studies if you like or you download them and listen to them and come to that place where you know what your spiritual gift is. One of the gifts that's mentioned there that is a primary spiritual gift is the gift of mercy. It's a beautiful, wonderful gift that's used in a lot in serving one another. The gift of mercy. You, you can be so merciful, we learned, because we broke down the gifts. We broke down the gift, what it is, what it looked like in, the, in Jesus, what it looked like in the early church, what the strengths of the gift are, and what the weaknesses of the gift are. And one of the weaknesses of the gift of mercy is that you feel the other person's pain sometimes even more than that person feels it. And it clouds your judgment on how to serve them. And it makes it more difficult for you to give an objective point of view biblically because in the gift of mercy your feelings are so on edge and they're so alive that when you start hearing some of the pains that people are going through man you start feeling it worse than they do and it skews your ability to give good sound counsel so whether it's mercy or not you know that one of those gifts is yours and i'd encourage you to pray through it so that you can be equipped to serve people in the church because it can be great joy, it can be great misery, you know, where there's sin. It's the same thing. 
Hurting people hurt people? Well, here's another one for you. Wherever sin is, there's misery. Because sin always brings forth death, the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. There's always misery when sin is around. Sometimes people leave and they turn their back on the Lord and they turn their back on you and then begin to blame you for it. Paul even mentioned one by name. He mentioned Demas. Demas has forsaken me. That's how much he felt that Demas really forsook the Lord. He turned his back on God. But when Paul was looking at it and the kind of ministry that they shared together, when he writes it down, he just shares from his heart, Demas has forsaken me, having left, the Bible says, loved this present world, and he went away, departed for Thessalonica. The closer you are to those in your life, the more you'll experience either one great joy or the other great pain. It's all part of it. Verse 5. Now he's going to get to the issue that we addressed in 1 Corinthians There was a young man committing sexual sin with his father's wife. And they brought it to the attention of the church in 1 Corinthians. And because he was unrepentant and because he didn't listen, he was under church discipline and removed from the church. That's where we pick up now in verse 5. But if anyone has caused grief, he's not grieved me, but all of you to some extent... Don't be too severe. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought to rather forgive and comfort, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. So there's a guy that's being referred to here. This is a specific person in the church. Serious sexual sin has taken place. For homework, you can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and you can read up on it exactly what happened in first corinthians chapter 5 they were the church was told that if there's unrepentance deliver him up to satan for the destruction of his flesh he can't be a part you can't live in unconfessed unrepentant sin in the church it's you can't do that now even if you're getting away with it right now here at calvary you're not getting away with it with the lord what is hidden will be revealed And besides, it's much better just to repent and not have to live with the weight of guilt and, you know, like you're hiding things right now. You're not hiding anything. You're not doing anybody a favor. You're not being a godly spiritual person by hiding things from your parents, hiding things from your spouse, hiding things from your boss. You're not doing anyone a favor. You're not obeying God either. And it's really not hidden. It's just a matter of time before it's revealed. And if you choose the route of hiding, what's going to happen for you as a believer? It's going to be revealed at the absolute worst time that's outside of your control. I mean, those of you that are parents, you know you teach your kids, don't hide anything. Tell me the truth. And so what do they do? They get into the cookies that have just got baked. And they're, you know, the chocolate's all soft still, and they stuff them into their mouths, and chocolate's all over their face. And you come up to them and say, what happened to the cookies? I don't know. (laughs) Are you sure you don't know? Oh, mom, I don't know. You know, the cookie monster came in and stole the cookies. I I don't know what excuse comes. And you're like, but man, you you know, if you really want to play with them, you go, well, let's go up to the bathroom. Let's go. There's a mirror up there. And you kind of show me, you show them the mirror. What's that on your face? I don't know. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) 
That's how it is with you and your heavenly Father. Hey, isn't this going on? You know, the Spirit's been knocking on the door of your heart. Hasn't this been going on? Doesn't mom need to know about this? I don't know. Isn't it so obvious? To, I don't know. And as believers, we can't get away with anything. We're busted on everything. How you and I choose to respond, that's a different matter. But that sensitivity to the Lord, I appreciate because I'm busted on anything. And so I don't want to be busted on anything. And the only way to live that way is to be open and honest. As we saw this last time in our Bible study this last weekend, a life of character. For some of you, it's time to come clean, to do the right thing. I know there's going to be great consequences. And I know it's going to be worse than it would have been if you said something a week or a month ago. But you can stem the tide of how bad the consequences will get if you will just come clean. Tell the truth. Be honest and upright. Let it all come clean. Hold nothing back. You won't have to walk around with the condemnation or the guilt or the fact that if you do get found out before you do reveal it, it's probably going to be much worse. To be honest. So here the church was dealing with this person that had committed sexual sin and they were delivered over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And back in 1 Corinthians 5, you'll notice when you go there in verse 4, it says it was done in the name of the Lord. That's what church discipline is done. It's done in the name of the Lord. It's not designed to destroy a person or to wreck a person. It's designed to restore a person, to reconcile them, not wreck them. To say, you know, if you continue to live in this sin, it's going to destroy you and everyone that's around you. And the church leadership in Corinth, they were glorying in this. Look at how free we are. Look at what we accept. Look at what we allow. Does it sound familiar to you, churches today? Look what we accept. Look how open we are. Oh, I know what the Bible says, but that's not what it means. Really? Really? And I wonder if Paul was to take a letter today and say, no, this is exactly what it means. He doesn't need to do that because he's already done that, inspired by the Spirit of God. So this man was to be delivered to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. I know it doesn't sound very loving or graceful, but really it is. It depends on who you're thinking of. It depends on who you're thinking of first. If we think of the holiness and the purity of Jesus, then this sin within the church, approved by the leadership, was a slap in the face of God. So when we see that that sin being dealt with in a loving, gracious way to maintain the purity of the church, then it makes sense. Deliver him. He doesn't care about other people. He only cares about himself. She doesn't care about other people. She only cares about herself. If we think of the purity of the body then this sin becomes a foothold for the enemy to wreak havoc in the church. When we think of the children that are watching the adults looking for an example, we say, no, we don't allow that sin to run rampant. No. The purpose for church discipline is restoration and the destruction of a sinful proclivity. Putting a person outside of fellowship is intended to drive the person to repentance and forsake their sinful habits. Because it's one of the most difficult things for leaders to do in the church, 
And because of all sorts of false fears, many churches don't practice church discipline anymore, according to Matthew 8, chapter 18. They just let things go and turn a blind eye and become like the church in Corinth. But that would be under, that would be putting yourself, if you find yourself in a church like that, putting yourself under bad spiritual leadership. Here at Calvary, we do practice church discipline. And over the last 13 years, I would say maybe two or three or four people we've had to remove from fellowship because they've refused to follow through with a repentant heart toward the things of the Lord. You know what the sad thing is? The sad thing is, is there are so many churches today that a person that's under church discipline can just go hide out at some other church and take their problems with them and take the same sins into another church family. And it's sad because the intent isn't for you to leave Calvary. The intent is for you to leave sin. It isn't for you to leave the fellowship family that God has obviously brought you to. It's for you to leave your own selfish, self-centered, sinful lifestyle that is harming you, the people close to you, and your church. It's not designed for you to go run to that church until you're caught and then run to that church until you're caught and then run to that church until you're caught. You're already caught. Just get right with the Lord. Then you can be in any church fellowship without any problems. But we've we've seen our fair share of people just, well, you know, here's the solution. I'm going to run to the next church. We don't lord it over you if you want to run to the next church. that's That's your prerogative. I don't really see that as biblical, but I'm sure you can make a case. But here's the thing. Unless you resolve it here, you're going to take something unresolved into the next church and the next one. Why not just, you've landed, if you're here at Calvary, let me just say, you've landed in a church. We're not perfect. We've already talked about that. But we love Jesus. We love the word. And we'll do whatever we can to, to take the word of God and get it into your life in such a way where you can see Jesus clearly on the matter. Why would you want to run away from something like that? And go find it, well, you know, I, don't, I just don't believe that. I think this is not a sin. But the Bible says it. Yeah, but there's a church down the street that says it's not a sin. Not going to be good for you. Because not only are you caught up in it, but now you're finding a place that approves of it. Then what? And so the purpose of church discipline is exactly what Paul's doing right here in 2 Corinthians. He's going, you know what? It's time to forgive. You see that in verse 7? And comfort him. The church discipline worked. It worked. The brother finally came to the place where he recognized what he was doing. And it's time to bring him back. It says in verse 6, the punishment, the punishment that was inflicted by the majority is sufficient. It has done what it needs to do. It has done what it needed to do, I should say. Where sin has wrecked a life, God can restore it. So let him back in. It's time to let him back in. Isn't that encouraging? No matter what we may have done in the past, God wants to forgive, save, and restore. That's his heart, and it should be ours, too, when we see someone who has strayed. What you heard today on Abounding Grace is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series taken from the book of 2 Corinthians. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Look under sermons, and then do a search for today's passage in 2 Corinthians. 
And you can also listen to Pastor Ed through our apps. Both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado apps will pop up when you search for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Put a bookmark where we left off in 2 Corinthians and come back next time when we'll continue the study with Pastor Ed Taylor. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 